It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am looking forward to talking with my guest today. Joining me is Ron Carr. Ron is the founder of Carr & Associates. He's a leading sales speaker, consultant, and author of several books, including the best-selling Lead, Sell, or Get Out of the Way, The Seven Traits of Great Sellers. Ron Carr, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to be here. So take a minute, introduce yourself. Mate, start back at the beginning. How'd you get into sales? Well, I guess uh, since I was two years old, you know, I had a very tough childhood. I had to... Uh, I was talking way out of getting in trouble, you know, I had a very <laughs> demanding father, so I was negotiating since a young boy. And um, my first job after college was in sales. I called it the uh, School of Hard Knocks. I was selling copiers door to door. That's a good way to start. Yeah, and, and it was actually the best training because I remember when I got hired by Royal Business Machines in 1980. They just came out with the first plain bond copy. And now I'm dating myself, and there might be people who don't even know what the difference was. But before 1980, they had liquid toner, which everybody just spilled all over themselves. So they seduced me by saying, this is a sexy copy. It's got beautiful copies, 15 pages a minute. And I was buying into the Kool-Aid. And I said, that's great, but what about the collator? Don't worry about it. It's coming down in a year from now. Well, it never came. <laughs> So I'd be going into these, uh, knocking on, on these doors, speaking to office managers, and they say, well, can you collate? No. Can you slice and dice? No. And I got kicked out. So after quite a bit of rejection, you know, I had a board of directors meeting with me, myself, and I went to a diner. You know, in New Jersey, we are diners. and um, We can't tell from the accent that you're from yeah, New Jersey. Right, exactly. And, you know, I just sat down and I said, okay, well, obviously the conversation is not working, so how are you going to change it? And I asked myself, you know, what are you selling? Are you selling a copy? And the answer is no. A copy is just a device to help people communicate. So maybe I need to change the conversation to communications. So I'd go back in and I'd say, look, you know, would you agree with me that a copy is about communications? They say, yeah. Well, tell me about your current challenges with your setup. And I said, oh, my God, you know, we have this big machine on the third floor. It slices, dices, collates, but... You know, Sally in the first floor just needs to make one copy. By the time she gets to the elevator and talks to everybody, goes upstairs, waits in line behind the big jobs, comes back to her desk and talks to everybody again. It's like a two-hour excursion. So how many times does this happen to you? Too many. I can probably hire two full, get rid of, not get rid of, but it'll take up two full-time employees a week. So what if we just gave you a beautiful copy, you know, 15 copies a minute, dry bond, and put one on every floor? You know, save some of that productivity for your people and then use the big machine up on the third floor. And I started selling three at a time. And I called my boss and he started seeing all these big orders. Every time I was online, he goes, Ron Carr made your account desk, you know, so it became a joke. But um, <laughs> so it was actually really the school of hard knocks I learned. And it became the basis for what I teach now for the last 28 years in organizations around the world. So, gosh, you started your business a long time ago. So what was the impetus to start your business? It was actually a family tragedy, you know, in the 80s I worked at Royal and then I worked at a couple of um, companies in high tech and computer industries and the 80s were a turmoil time for a lot of uh, computers. Apple just came out with the first PC, IBM sure. was first PC and companies didn't really know what was happening. So in the job that I had in 88, I was, uh, I was the East Coast uh, manager for a certain product line for Emulex Corporation. Mm-hmm. 
which made computer boards out of California. And uh, I had a family tragedy at the time. My father was terminally ill, you know, near his end. And my mother, who was a woman ahead of her time, you know, an EVP of Chase Traveling the World, the, the illness got to her, even though she had help for him. But she drove home one day from work and four blocks from the house, she passed out the wheel of the car. Make a long story short, you know, the car jumped a curve and severed a light pole and a jagged edge, punched the gas tank, and the car caught fire. Right in front of a Porsche dealership, Andy, of all places. A salesperson, a customer, drag out of flames. The car blows, takes down the entire Porsche dealership, and in an instant, my life changed. I all of a sudden had two parents near death. Hmm. And um, and I was an EMT. You know, I was, I was trained in, in disasters, but when it's your own family. So I remember that night when I was at the hospital, not knowing what to do. I asked myself, you know, what are the two questions that you've used to become successful in business? And this is what I teach my audiences. The two questions are... What's your purpose? And do you actually support your, support your purpose? And for me, the purpose was very clear that night. That no matter what happened, both parents had to survive. And dealing with lawyers and, her, and the bank and all insurance and doctors, I just made a promise to myself that if I'm being asked to do something that doesn't support both parents surviving, I don't have time for it. Long story short, they both survived. My mother lived for another 19 years, you know, full life. My father hung on for a year. But right after the accident, we had to go a month later to um, Las Vegas to do our annual bootstrap meeting, you know, and present our business plans. And like any salesperson, half a business plan is half real and half creative, if you know what I mean. Right. Oh, yeah. My creative juices were gone, Andy. <laughs> there was just no way I had to live in my car for a month. So I called up my EVP. And when you get stressed out, then all the stuff that's bothering you in your job up to that point come up, too. So I called up my EVP. And I said, look, you know, you heard what happened. He goes, yeah, I'm so sorry. You okay? I said, yeah. But I said, my job's not making sense. That's, that's what this thing taught me, you know. And we got four options. You know, one is you change my product set, change my title, change my responsibilities, or maybe I just go on my own. He goes, Ron, I love you, but I really have no room for maneuvering here. So what would you do if you went on your own? And out of the dark, I said, I don't know. I mean, half my job is teaching distributed reps how to sell. So maybe I'll just do some sales training. He goes, send me a business plan. And I did, it was July of 88. And he said, okay, today's your last day. I'll keep you on payroll to the end of August. I'll keep you on full expense account to Thanksgiving. And um, I'll pay commissions on any deals you worked on to the end of the year. Use the seed money and go start your business. Huh, very nice. And if nice. that disaster never happened, I would never have taken the risk to do something. I would have been too afraid. But that disaster got me out of my comfort zone and it taught me that no matter what happens, even if you fail, you can always make it back. The only thing you have to make sure is that you keep your word. You can lose your family, you can hopefully not, you can lose your money, your business, your home. But if you always had your word, you can always get people to support you again in your next venture. And, uh, and from there, I became a professional speaker, you know, an advisor to the board of directors, and eventually the president of the National Speaker Association. I can guarantee if that accident never happened, I'd be selling for somebody still at some place somehow. Hmm. What a story. What a story. Now, did Emulex give you some business? Um, did they give, no, but I got some business. Like one of my distributors was Novadine. And uh, actually, I got to know him from Emulex. And uh, he brought me in and brought me in to speak at a couple of his events and help his company. So I got some business that came from the Emulex context. 
My first customer was Blue Cross or Blue Shield of Baltimore. I mean, I just prospected it. Who did I know? What did I know? Hey, you need some sales training? And at that time, I was just doing what I learned from Xerox professional selling skills. But as I got into it and got more clients, you know, I built my own brand, my own strategies, and that's what you read in the books that I have out. And so you talked about recently that you're sort of doing a little bit of a rebranding. Yes. So tell me about that. Well, you know, um, when I got done with the presidency of NSA, I was on top of the world, you know, the leader of the top thought leaders and speakers, and it was my best year ever in business. And when I gave up the mantle, the mantle in 2014 in July, my health took a turn. I had several surgeries, including two major back surgeries that put me out of work for over a year. So as you're going through all that painful rehab and you start thinking about what is your significance, you know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I was always known as a sales trainer, but to me, sales trainer is, is, a, is a low level positioning because I've done so much of advised board of directors, CEOs and all that. So I run a group that's called the Chief Revenue Officer Mastermind Group, which has VPs and CEOs of small to mid-sized high growth companies. And while I was down, I started interviewing them and I'm saying, look, what's the value that I bring to you guys? And they said, you're more than sales, you're more than leadership. You've impacted me personally and professionally. And uh, they kept using the word impact. And when I looked at the word impact, I, go, I went to everything I did. You know, I helped one company turn around a, a commodity relationship into a $200 million negotiated agreement. Um, help a lot of people sell more in less time. Help leaders enter into new markets, you know, double their businesses. And when I look at how I've done it, it was all about influence and impact. You know, I was teaching them how to sell more in less time, how to impact their marketplace so they'll, they'll get the business, how to do it faster, how to gain velocity. And so we came up with the, the brand of impact. Um, I've impacted my clients and they in turn have impacted their markets. So the new brand is impact, the art and science of significance. And the reason we say that is because everybody wants to be significant. No matter who I work with in an organization, whether it's a production employee, sales rep, everybody wants to do well and they want to believe that they're helping somebody grow. They don't want to blow up the company. Most people don't. And they want to feel good about themselves. They want to feel significant. But when you think about significance, you can't have significance if you're not able to impact others to do what you need them to do so you can be successful. So that's how we came up with impact, the art and science of significance. So you have this, I want to have have you lay out for people what a mastermind group is because this term comes up a lot and i think for entrepreneurs and ceos and c-level people that are listening to the show it'd be really useful to sort of dig into that so they really understand this type of resource that's increasingly available to them yeah so you know there are companies out there that do something like ypo which i spoke at in 2012 and a lot of my members are from ypo because they really use this kind of service so they say actually what they get in one of my meetings they get more than a year of their ypo forum which is their mastermind but um, as I was gearing up for the presidency in 2012, you know, you know, when I was going to take over in 13, I knew I was going to have limited time to, you know, to keep my earnings coming in. And I had this idea of a mastermind. You know, as speakers, we have masterminds. You know, we go and meet with other speakers. You know, and build our best practices. And and I know some people were commercializing it, and so it was in my mind. You know, I was developing this idea. And then one day at home, you know, my ex-wife and I were out with some friends, and um, one of them was a general manager of a baseball team. He and I were very good friends, and he just brought the Montreal Expos to one game from the playoffs. And so it was Halloween, and we were having a couple of drinks, and all of a sudden he and I got into this heated debate over the Yankees. I'm a big Yankee fan. 
and he was um he was you know he was from the Mets originally and we just go nose to nose and finally the wife said ah he won pointing at me so he storms out on the deck I go out on the deck and we're both sitting there and he says, you know. That had to be a heated argument if he storms out on the Yeah, but, 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 but we're passionate guys, you know. Right. But, but here's what he said. He said, you know, the most amazing thing is the women think we're about to punch each other out, but that can be the furthest thing from the truth. You and I are having a passionate argument. And then he's talking. You know, he was a GM of this team. He goes, who do I get to talk to? Can I really go to the president and just tell him, how, you know, how frustrated I am? No, because he doesn't want to hear it. Can I go to the clubhouse guys who want it 20%? I think I'm going to give them a 10%. They think I'm a jerk. No, they don't want to hear it. At that moment, it clicked on me that I was going to do this mastermind. Because think about it. When you have an executive who's charged with growing a high-performance sales culture, let's say a CEO, and they're not really sure how to do it or they have concerns, can they really voice their concerns to the VPs that report to them? No, because they don't want them to think that they're having doubts. Can they voice it to the board of directors? No. And in turn, can a vice president voice their concerns to the CEO? The answer is no. Can they voice it to their salespeople? The answer is no either. So what we did was we created a, uh, a mastermind group. We have no more than 10. We meet three times a year. And uh, this group is dedicated to building high-performance sales cultures. And we have a, a group of mixed of CEOs and VPs or presidents in there. And the interesting thing about the group is that the CEOs were learning from the VPs is what the VPs were going through. And the VPs were learning from the CEOs. And the CEOs would coach the VPs on how to deal with the CEOs. And the VPs would coach the CEOs on how to deal with salespeople and all that. And for the most part, a lot of these people in the group that came from YPO, they came because I keynoted a lean forum. So a lot of these guys were whizzes in production. But when it came to sales and building a sales platform, they really weren't that great at it. So they helped each other out. So a key component for the group, Andy, is accountability. And they will only bring, they will only allow me to bring people into the group that are all in. So I've actually turned away clients who paid me a lot of money, but they just wanted, let's say, to come in for one meeting and test it out. We said, no, you got to pay for the whole year, put the money down, you're in or you're out. And do you have and, monthly meetings as well? Monthly, mm, like virtual meetings? Or? Well, that's a, that's a great question. So it started with three meetings a year. We meet in different locations in the country. I bring, it's, it's about a week, you know, by the time you travel out to Vegas, let's say, or Florida, and we have a round of golf somewhere in between, I bring in outside speakers to come, and I speak, and then they do their two hot seats about problems, and then they, we go through accountability. It takes about two and a half to three days, and then add some travel. And that was the format, and we changed it up over the years to make it, you know, better and better. But all of a sudden, in the last year and a half, what was amazing is they started having their own weekly calls without me, which I thought was great. Because they said, you know what? We want to hold each other accountable on a weekly basis. So now they have a weekly call, so they can make it great, and they hold each other accountable, and I'm not even involved in that. And it's making even the group that stronger. You know, Andy, the first year, after the first meeting, when we came back to the second meeting, they were hugging each other. That's how powerful it was. So now we got people that are in it for the fifth year. We started our fifth year. We got one person from the, who's been there four years, one brand new guy. We're getting two new people in next meeting. These become like their own board of directors and people that they can really trust. They, they talk about the most sensitive things in these meetings. And they'll all tell you that if you ask them what's the value, they said, I've grown exponentially as a father, as a leader, 
as a um, salesperson, and and it's just been even those in YPO. They've actually given up. If they had to choose between the form or this, they still stay in YPO. But this is one thing they can't give up. And most of it, you know, I'm the facilitator. But it's really the work that they put in. They're committed, and they've all grown as a group. And it's been a great thing to watch. So for somebody that's listening to the show, that the CEO, an entrepreneur, is saying, "Okay, gosh, mastermind group sounds like an interesting thing to explore." How do they? Find one that fits them. What should they look for? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think that they have to look for is that, first of all, they got to talk to whoever they're talking to and ask, what's the mantra of the group? You know, what is the group doing? Um, what's what's the mission? And, uh, and then probably the best thing is to speak to a couple of members of the group before they make a decision. So, you know, someone says, hey, I'm interested. Well, first, you got to do an interview because I'm not sure if it's going to be a good fit for you or for I or for them. So I interviewed him, make sure there's something like we got one guy that came to a uh, that came to a uh, a, uh, a get together we had in Virginia Beach last week. Great guy, and he was brought in by one of my members who was down there. And I, I spoke to the member today. I said, "But I don't understand what the fit is for the guy." And he was, goes, "You're right. You know, he's in a totally different business, but I'm going to interview him. And if the fit is good for his future, we will." But what I found out is is that when they speak to the members. And they can find out from the members what the members themselves got from. And then the members in turn are interviewing them. I can get buying from the members and from them so I know it's going to be a good fit. So find out what the mantra is. Speak to a couple of members. Really get in touch with, most importantly, what is it you want out of the group? What is it that you're going to, you know, you're going to pay some money? You're going to pay time? What do you need to get out of the group to see if it's going to be of value to you? And then go ascertain whether or not it's going to be the right fit for you. And... Obviously, there's a fee for it. Yes. Um, so, I mean, people should look at it like coaching, right? This is like group coaching. And then you said group accountability as well. It's like having, I mean, for my, all my work over the last 16 years with small and mid-sized companies, this is the exact issue that every one of my CEO clients has had is no one to talk to except me. Exactly. So, we call it peer-to-peer mentoring. With, with, on top of that, the bonus for them is they get coaching by me. And, you know, as a facilitator, I, I know what each person needs, so I make sure they get it in the meetings, and they can call me at any time. And they also, as part of the ramp-up, we do a full assessment of them online. They have a two-and-a-half-hour debrief with one of my colleagues, and the information they get is just mind-blowing. And then, um, you know, it's one fee per year. You know, they pay 20000 but, you know, we give them a first class. You know, they we put the meals and all that stuff, and they just pay their airfare and their... Um, Travel and then a couple of nights dinner they pay and we pay we supply the rest. Um, but once they get the money out of the way, it's all about them and making sure they get the experience that they need. Very interesting. Yeah, I really urge people that are listening to the show. I mean, I belong to a mastermind group. I think I mentioned before, it's an invaluable resource uh, because you said you get this group effect when the group is talking. You actually find that the value is not necessarily coming, even though you're the smart guy in the room. It's not really coming necessarily from the facilitator. It's coming from everybody else. You know, we had their a, set of and their set of experiences, and that's what makes it so rich and varied and valuable. Yeah, we had a, a situation last week. Um, one of the members is going through a sale of equity in his company, and uh, he claimed, you know, he's got it under control and he's fine and everything. But it was so quiet for the first day, and then one of the other members was doing his hot seat and 
No, no, he responding to this guy's hot seat, and he's and he's and just was, so people understand, hot seat is is you're the person you bring your problem to the hot seat, and you talk about this particular issue is. Yeah, so they got five minutes out of thirty minutes to explain the issue, and then they get twenty five minutes of peer to peer mentoring and coaching. So this guy who was reserved, unusually, boys hot seat, and then the other member said, "I feel sorry for you," and this guy took it the wrong way. So the night. That next night, he says, you know, who was he to tell me that, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I really don't think that's what he meant. And the next morning, before we even started, I was called out by some other members. And the one who made the offending statement was there and said, hey, you know, this guy's not talking. And maybe I said the wrong thing. He says, well, he, he did say the wrong thing. He didn't like it. So we started off with that member apologized to him in person. And then after that, you know, it took up some of the steam. And then I said to the member, I said, you know, I got to tell you something. What's holding you back? Nothing. I said, well, something's holding you back because what all these people are saying right now is that you're not participating. Well, bottom line is he started opening up. He was there critiquing, opening up. And on the last night, he told us, you know, we're sitting on the beach, you know, having a beer. And he said, you know what? My wife said, so how was it today? I said, they called me out. They called me out of my, you know, pick the word. They called BS. me out of my stuff. Yeah, my BS. <laughs> yeah. And what happened? I became more active. So that's the value of the group. It's people who you trust, who are willing to stand up to you. And isn't it easier to get that from people you trust and who have the best intentions than, than to get it from people who you wish you didn't show to or whatever? Yeah, and it's just a, it's a different relationship than you'd have with a board, as you said, or with people that work for you. I mean, that's... The, that's They're all there for each other's support. They want to see each other so successful. Yeah, I very rarely see a situation where within a company, even... Companies with great cultures where the CEO can feel they can really unburden themselves or the VP of sales can unburden themselves to their boss even. I mean, it's just, you know, there's barriers that hold you back. Even if you think you trust that person, it's, you're never going to be sure, right? Yeah. So my, my, my goal is we have, I think we have two seats open. We'll fill them pretty fast. And then my goal is to eventually start one more group and then, you know. So how many do you run now? I won one. One run. Okay, perfect. And then my goal is to get another one on board probably in the next year or so. Oh, excellent. All right, very well done. So let's talk just briefly before we go to the last segment of the show about Lead Seller, Get Out of the Way, which is a book you wrote back a few years ago. Um, what's, what's the genesis of the title? So sales has changed. When I was sung in the 80s, you know, it was basically show and tell. You know, we didn't have the internet, so we had to educate people on what we're doing, features and all that. And today, that's absolutely not what you need to do. By the time you come into someone's office, they already looked you up on the internet, they know what you're doing. And so, if you're just going to sell, which people kind of take a show, I mean, you, you're going to be a commodity product and you're not going to get the audience attention. But if, when I asked my audiences when I'm speaking, I said, how many of you can't wait for the next salesperson to vomit all over you or puke about how they can help you in all different ways? And puke stands for people who utter knowledge about everything. Now, one hand goes up. But then when I ask, how many of you, when you have to make an acquisition, would value the help from someone to make the right decision, all the hands go up. And so what that tells you is that people really want to be led through a decision process. They don't want to be sold. And to be led through a decision process, it's more about getting to know about the person, where they're trying to go, what the challenges are, and then presenting what you have in a way that speaks to what they just told you. Okay, and so it's it's uh, it's a process that we all know intuitively, but many times we don't do it. And so the whole premise is, 
If you're going to sell more today, you have to be a leader. If you're going to lead, you'll sell. If you don't, you'll be pushed out of the way. And that was the genesis behind the title. And it's so true because, as I talk about in my writing, is you have to inspire somebody to, to take that journey with you. Right. If you're, if you're a sales rep. And it seems, you know, we didn't have, we know we got the Pareto distribution, you know, 20% of the sales rep produce 80% of the revenue. But, but even some of those at the top tier, it's still so robotic and on autopilot and leaving a lot of value on the table that they could recognize. Well, sales is nothing more than a connection, you know, and we have to connect with people and you don't connect to pe- with people on, um, on uh, features. You connect with people you know, there's two parts to the sale. There's the, brain, the heart and the brain. Most people go straight to the brain. Features and making mm-hmm. an intellectual decision. But the connection's in the heart. The heart's where the needs, fears, yeah, and Absolutely. And the heart is where it's going to get people to sit there and want to pay attention to you, even though you don't have time. And if you can get them talking about the heart and then relate what you've got to say to the brain in relation to, to the heart, you've got them. But if you change that process... You screwed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I saw a research report recently, and it wasn't even a new one. It had been out for several years, but this Italian neuroscientist that had come across some people because of brain injuries were not able to really process emotion. And what they found is that they couldn't make decisions, even the most basic decisions like what to wear and what to eat. Things that you think are just so easy. So if anybody ever had a question in their mind about what drives a purchase decision, whether it's emotion or logic, it is emotion. I got to tell you, neuroscience is uh, is allowing us to uh, present in a, in a very logical way how the brain works and, and, and how it works in, um, in, um, in influence, if you will. And... Uh, one of the key elements, you know, I talk about you got to sell outcomes. Outcomes come from the heart. They don't come from the brain. But one of the key words that I tell my clients to write on the back of the business card and refer to it before every call is the word context. The key to influence is providing context. So I'll give you an example. One of my slides, you know, was a, was a, and it's not because of the political spectrum for today, but four years ago, I'm driving in New York City. And I saw this sign, and I immediately pulled over and took my camera. The first three lines said, NYC, where people are openly gay secretly Republican, why leave? And that's not the reason I took the picture of that. I took what was below that. Below that was a $29 offer for a, for, for a storage facility. Now, it was the first three lines that got my attention, and then it made me look at the offer. Most people don't get people's attention. They go straight to the offer. Mm-hmm. So the offer is built around outcomes, and then how do you present in context to what they just told you? And, and, and you know, you take neuroscience, for example, um, you know, there's different chemicals in the brain. Cortisol is the chemical that we all have, but if it's too much, you know, it creates a threat for us. You know, it's stress. Right. Dopamine is the chemical that if we have more of that going, we're more in a relaxed attitude, ready to listen and open up doors to new ideas. Well, when you think about it, if I make a cold call or if I'm going to someone's office when they don't have time, what's going to happen to the cortisol? Yeah, it's going to spike. It's going to spike because they don't have time and I'm an interruption. All right. And so I've got to find a way 
to reduce that cortisol because if the cortisol stays high, the dopamine doesn't get high. And the only way that I can reduce the cortisol, you know, Scott Halford's a great, you know, um, neuroscience expert. He just went to school and got his PhD. He's a colleague of mine. And he talks about the four ways, you know, he calls it the four C's to reduce the cortisol and increase the dopamine, which is certainty, um, you know, giving people knowledge that it's going to work, control, completion, and choice. But in neuroscience, they actually talk about context at a higher level that the brain needs context to make a decision. So when you think in simple terms of cortisol and dopamine, and you can accept the fact that as a salesperson, you're going to be an interruption or you're giving a proposal that's going to raise the cortisol, especially if you're asking for a lot of money. What can you do to minimize that cortisol and make them more comfortable? And obviously, a lot of that has to go for the heart. It has to do with the questions you ask. It has to do with how well you listen, not how fast you speak about the features and how you can help them. Excellent. Excellent. All right. We're going to take a short break. Be back with my guest, Ron Carr, right after this. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, back with my guest, Ron Carr, which is a great session talking about what a mastermind group is, how it works, how you could benefit from being a part of one. Talked a little bit about uh, neuroscience and how that affects people making decisions. So now we get to the last segment of the show, Ron. I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And the first one is a really a hypothetical scenario. And in this new scenario, you've just been hired as a new VP of sales at a company whose sales have stalled out. They're stuck. And CEO and the board, which we talked about before, are anxious to have you get things turned around in a hurry. So question is, in your first week on the job, what two things could you do that would have the biggest impact? So, uh, other than obviously having my, my mandate from the board um, and, and meeting with each individual, my biggest two things is to have a meeting with the team or each one individually and set very clear expectations of what I expect from them. The biggest reason why a lot of people fail is because expectations and communications of expectations are not clear. Mm-hmm. So, set clear expectations and find out what it is they need from me to help them make them s- successful. Here's a big problem that newly minted vice presidents of sales or sales managers have. They uh, come because they were a top producer, so they get promoted to that job. Now, when you're a top producer, your success resided on your own efforts. But your job changes. When you become a manager or a VP, your success now resides in the success of all the people below you. And so, therefore, the biggest mistake that managers make it's when they go out on sales calls and travel to salespeople, they're not acting like a coach. They're taking over the call so that they can use their skills to close the deal. You may help them in the short term, but you're not helping them in the long term. Your job is to sit on your hands, evaluate how they're doing, give them some coaching tips so when you're not there, they can close the deals in your absence. Otherwise, you're, uh, you're training them to keep calling, calling you when you have to close. So, exactly. So set the expectations, find out what they need, and then understand for yourself internally what your new role is. Got it. All right. Good answer. So 
Now we'll move into some sort of rapid-fire questions. First one, you give me single-word answers if you want, or you can elaborate. First one is when you, Ron, are out selling your services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Assistance. Who's your sales role model? Hmm. God, I have so many, but I, I mean, God. Um, oh, boy. You know what? I have to remember names. Remembering names is not my best suit. <laughs> um, Especially as we get older. My mother. My mother. All right. Any particular reason for your mom? Yeah, because she taught me as she was rising up to the ranks of chasers and economists that you can only get to a higher level of success through the efforts of others. And the only way to get people engaged is to get them into a conversation. And that's the basis for what I train. Excellent. So besides your own, what's one book every salesperson should read? Um, Scott Halfords. And I got to look it up on the internet. Like I said, I don't remember names. And this is embarrassing, but it's a great book. And I'm going to give it to you in one second. He runs a company called Complete Intelligence. And his new book is called Activate Your Brain. That is one of the best books I've read that combines neuroscience with influence and sales. Excellent. Okay. Activate your brain. It's on my, it's on my reading list now. And last question for you. So what music's on your playlist these days? <laughs> all right. So I'm from New Jersey. So, so like, Springsteen. Yeah, that's all I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> my, my radio is in the car, straight on the Springsteen channel. A little Bon Jovi, but I'm just a Springsteen all right. addict. So you're going to be at the Meadowlands on August 23rd? Because I'll be there watching Springsteen. You know, I didn't get tickets. I'm trying to get a hold of his road manager. You know what the NSA gave me? My parting gift from being president? They gave me this guitar that was a, a, an American flag guitar signed by the entire Bruce Springsteen E Street Band, including Clarence when he was still alive. Oh, wow. Very nice. Oh, okay. That'd be a great, great thing to have. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Ron, hopefully we'll see you at the Meadowlands. I want to thank you for being on the show today. Tell people how they can find out more about you. Uh, they can go to uh, roncar.com, and car is spelled K-A-R-R, so roncar.com. And if they want to know more about that um, uh, mastermind group and see what it's like for themselves, they can go to roncar.com slash C-R-O. And, of course, the last book was Lead Seller, Get Out of the Way. Excellent, excellent. Again, thanks for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. An easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate part of your daily routine, whether you're listening to commute, in the gym, or as part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Ron Carr, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.